The scripture I'd like to share with you today is from the book of John, chapter 8. I could better find it here again. Verse 25 through 39. This is the word of the Lord. They said to Jesus, who are you? And he said to them, why do, you, why do I speak to you at all? I have much to say about you and much to condemn. But the one who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand what he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am him. And that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father has instructed me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, you will be made free? Jesus answered them, very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are descendants of Abraham. Yet you look for an opportunity to kill me because there is no place in you for my word. I declare what I have seen in the Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. They answered him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing what Abraham did. I'll just read this part too. But now you are trying to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I have heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. At my uh, house growing up, which is my parents just sold, it was kind of a crazy transition time for our family. Uh, along the, the long hallway and the main level, just on the other side of my bedroom, actually, the, on the wall, were all these sayings, these pictures that had little saints that my mom collected. It made it easy to shop for her for uh, her birthday and Christmas for a while because she just wanted more and more of those sayings. An entire wall, uh, about the size of, of that wall over there, was full of these sayings. And I, I thought it was remarkable that when we went there, when they had packed up everything and kind of said goodbye to the house, you could see where the pictures had been hanging because they had been there for so long. And I just thought, wow, that's really neat. And it's weird to see them not hanging there because for uh, many years of my life, probably a whole decade, I would walk by and just see all these uh, phrases. And there are all these cute little things that I, I wish I would have paid more attention to now that I'm older. <laughs> but, you know, they said something like, home is where the heart is or uh, bless this mess or whatever. It was all things that were about our family and about the love that we experienced in that home. And it was just neat to see that when we would read those, uh, 
those sayings, uh, we would, it would warm our heart because we would say, yeah, that's true. We really are blessed in this home. That's true. It's like our soul saying yes to whatever it is you're reading. Do you have any of these things in your home? Like uh, maybe it's a, a, like a phrase or a prayer. Uh, maybe it's a serenity prayer or footprints, like assurances of the love that you're experiencing within the home. Or maybe it's a, some assurance about God. Or maybe it's just one word. Like you can see blessed. We have one in our house that says gratitude. And when you see those, you say, yes, that's true. Those are so important. My personal favorite, I'm not sure if it's a truth or a command, is gather. <laughs> I see that in people's houses sometimes. I'm not picking on you if you have one of those that say gather. But it's just funny to me. Like, are you saying it's good? Are you saying we should do that? What happens if we don't? <laughs> I digress. When we see these different sayings, whether they're ones you grew up with or ones that you have in your home now, something within us says, yes, that's true. I feel good about that. My soul feels connected with those words. That's what we, that's what we call truth, is when our soul just kind of says yes to whatever it is that we hear or experience or read. That's truth. And we're drawn to that kind of truth. There's a reason that those sayings are so important to us. Why we hang them on our walls is because our souls are drawn to truth in a way that a moth is drawn to light. Have you ever seen that? Or a bug outside, you see all the bugs coming? Our souls are drawn to truth in the same way because that's how God made us to be. Truth makes our souls say yes and we find purpose and meaning in it. We find direction and significance for our life. Pretty amazing, isn't it? When you start to think about how we're actually wired to recognize and seek out what is true and that it gives us comfort when we, when we realize it. And that's, friends, is no accident. That's how God made us. Jesus says that we experience freedom in truth. He says the truth will set you free. Maybe that's why our souls seek out truth with such passion. You may not seek it out from sayings on your wall, but maybe... Maybe, just maybe, that's why we scroll endlessly on Facebook. We're looking for something that makes our souls say yes. Something that we feel is true. Something that we feel will bring freedom to us. Something that we feel is, is good and, and full of grace. If we're not on Facebook, maybe we just read and, and listen to and watch the news. Just looking for something that's true. But what is it that we're really looking for? Is it just the the sensational news of the day or somebody's cute picture of their kids or is it something a little bit deeper? Maybe our search for truth is because we long for the freedom that we feel when we're walking in it. For the way that our soul feels open and free. The way that it says yes. The feeling of peace that we get. The feeling of being at one with God or confident about the future perhaps. We say, ah, oh, I feel so good about the direction that these things are going. That's what truth does for us. But the problem is, our passionate search for truth can lead us in all the wrong places. We can look for it in all the wrong places where it cannot bring us peace. And worse yet, truth can be manipulated and actually used against us. That's what we're seeing in the world today. An actual assault on what is true. In all realms of life, we're seeing that. 
a relentless assault on our deep desire to live in and pursue truth. And so anybody who wants you to do what they want you to do will try and present to you what they think is true. This is what you need. This is what's happening that you fear. This is what you were made for. This is what should be important to you. All based on this longing within us for spiritual freedom. And our longing for freedom mistakes factual truth that we would find in any sort of technology or any sort of media. We look for factual truth in the realm of science or politics or news. And we mistake all of that or even social progress for spiritual truth. But none of these realms can bring the spiritual freedom that we experience as we're walking in truth with God. No party, no president can bring us spiritual freedom. No relief package, no matter how big or small it is. No science, no technological breakthrough. No amount of social change or action can lead us to experience spiritual freedom. All of these areas of life are important, yes, but they don't deserve our passionate attention, the priority of our heart, a misguided passionate attention that can be used in dangerous ways, and we're seeing it in all kinds of ways. One of the most heartbreaking things that I've seen on the internet in all of the last year, which that's a, <laughs> there's a lot to pick from there, right? One of the most heartbreaking things I saw was an article in the Star Tribune about a pastor in Alexandria, Minnesota, who shared a 14-minute long video, incredibly damaging to the witness of Christianity. Within the video, he starts about the first eight minutes telling everybody to buckle up emotionally because we're about to see martial law, civil disobedience, uh, the Riot Act enacted. Uh, He was calling for... uh, leaders of our country to be uh, prosecuted for high treason, threatening ex-presidents for their role in treason. (laughs) I mean, it just went on and on. Wild conspiracy theories. And it just gets better and better. He later says that he's now part of a movement that is similar to what, what we saw when the country was fighting for its own independence, called the Black Robe Movement or something. And he said... I almost came out with my black robe and my AR-15, but I thought that that would be a little bit bit much for this video. Okay, and so I'm watching. (laughs) Uh, He's, you know, telling people to arm up. You know, we're going to need people to to rise up and and be ready for this civil disobedience, not in a way of of protecting the, the weak and vulnerable in society, but taking charge of our world. And finally, after about 10 minutes, he, talks, he turns and talks about the cross. And I really, I, I know I'm fairly new in the faith, but really I didn't understand what he was trying to say. It was more like he was trying to find justification for the actions that he was taking. And he sprinkles in a little bit of uh, Old Testament truth at the end, warning of God's wrath that would come if we did not follow in the path that he was suggesting of turning and repenting. Oh my gosh, you guys. The whole time I'm watching this video, thinking, is this what he thinks is true? Is this what he comes away with in the Bible? When he reads through the Bible, this is what he comes away with, that we need to take arms and protect ourselves? 
Maybe he skipped over the entire part about Jesus. <laughs> because everything that I read about Jesus in the Bible says uh, a completely different message. That Jesus has taken the wrath for our sins. That yes, uh, there is a wrath to come and we need to be aware of how we live our lives now. But we as people who follow Jesus, we are called to be like Jesus in this life. To be sub subversive in our approach. Not to fight and be willing to kill people for Jesus' sake, but to take on the role of a servant, the role of a slave. Christ-like humility and grace. I share this painful and uh, tension-filled example with you to show you what's at stake when we talk about truth. And what's most frightening to me, more than any of the political things that we see or any of the unrest that we see, is that a pastor would take truth and manipulate it in such a way. To me, that speaks of spiritual warfare. And it's what we should be paying attention to the most. Because pastors are called to shepherd communities in loving truth. To show people what it means to become like Christ and live out that life right here and right now. That's what a pastor is called to. Jesus gives us some advice on where to experience truth. Where to experience spiritual freedom. Not in the political, social, or economic realms, but the kind of truth that will set us free. He says, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. If, that's a choice. If you continue in my word, and really what word means is not just his literal words, which if you, if you just read his words in the Bible, there's no way that you could commit an act of violence or threaten violence. But word also means example, posture, value and caring about the things that he cares about. That's what it means to continue in his word. He says, continue in my word and then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free spiritually. The people, they didn't understand. They said, well, what do you mean? Come on, Jesus. We're descendants of Abraham. You know that. We've never been slaves to anything. We're free. He says, you, you just don't get it. Because if you were sons of Abraham, sons and daughters of Abraham, you would do what he did. He depended upon God the Father. Everything that he did came from God, and he lived that out. And you're not doing that. Said so the truth will set you free. And they said, we're not slaves. We're descendants of Abraham. And Jesus brings correction to the conversation. He says, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. We could say the same thing for us today. We say, well, wait a minute. We're Christian. We know what's true. We know what God wants. We're not in any kind of spiritual captivity. Hear these words of Jesus. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. But if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. We're free by accepting God's grace. We're free by continually being in a posture of receiving from God, from Jesus. Accepting the act that he did on the cross. Yes, that's true. Jesus has paid for our sin, but he calls us into a new life, a new way of being. A new way of walking in spiritual freedom, not just a one-time transaction. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you continue in my word, a process of 
a process involving the entirety of a person's life, receiving instruction and clarity from God, and speaking and acting based upon what you have heard. But Jesus doesn't ask his disciples and he doesn't ask us to do something that he wouldn't do himself. This is what he says. I declare what I have received. What I have received from God the Father. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father as well. Jesus emphasizes this twice, actually, in the passage and kind of alludes to it in in a third time. This is what Jesus says. I actually have much to say about you and much to condemn. Jesus says, I could say all kinds of things right now. I could, if Jesus were here t- today, he'd say, I could go on Facebook and I could throw out everything that no one could argue with, but I'm not going to do that. Because the one who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. And then later, Jesus said, that's what Jesus says. I declare what I have seen in my Father's presence. As for you, you should do what you have heard from the Father. Continuing in the the word of Jesus includes having the same radical posture of openness and obedience to God the Father, of doing nothing on our own, of saying nothing that comes from our own sinful nature, but saying, God, what would you have me say right now? God, how would you have me to live in this world that feels so broken? What would you have me post on social media? Does this reflect your goodness, your grace, and your character? Keep in mind here that Jesus is a master communicator. Jesus is the embodiment and the master of truth. He knows exactly what truth is. He uses metaphors with ease, like like an artist or uh, someone who's... Uh, making a beautiful cake. (laughs) He knows exactly what the ingredients are and he knows exactly how to make it. But still Jesus says, do what I do. This is what I do. I sit with God the Father. I become a slave to him, a slave to righteousness. And I only repeat what I've heard from him. Friends, this is the most important truth of your entire life is that only Jesus can grant you and show you how to walk in spiritual freedom. Freedom for your soul by continuing in His Word. The truth that we receive from God leads us back to the character in the presence of the one who is true. Jesus received that truth from God the Father. We receive truth from Jesus. And so when we're wondering if something's true or not true, I need this for a second, we should ask ourselves, does this lead us back into the spiritual freedom that we feel with Jesus? Does this lead us to a deeper understanding of the character of God, the love and grace that we've received in this life? If it doesn't, if it leads us away from God and God's presence, then we should really wonder how important we should make that truth in our life. If it's of some other realm, Should we be elevating that over experiencing truth with God and God's presence? Friends, and that freedom is not meant for you or I. A lot has been made about, uh, on all sides of the political spectrum, about our rights, our freedoms. But in Scripture, we uh, see a different story of what freedom is supposed to be. 
that the blessings that we receive in our life, our spiritual freedom and freedom in all other walks of life are not meant for our own benefit, but for the sake of one another. Listen to how the Apostle Paul says this. He says, For you were called to freedom as followers of Christ, brothers and sisters, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence, but through love become slaves to one another. For the whole law is summed up in a single commandment. You shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. If, however, you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. If we're not using our spiritual and uh, political freedoms to help one another, we're going to fight and even kill each other. And that's what's so horrific and frightening about a pastor sharing the kinds of things about his AR-15. is that it's the total opposite of the life that Paul calls us to, of surrender to one another, of uh, courage to love, courage to show humility, courage to listen, courage to change. Courage to become like Christ. Friends, this is how we experience the spiritual freedom and peace that we're longing for, is by coming into the presence of Jesus, seeking spiritual truth that can change our world. And and listen to what Jesus says. Come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. The rest that we feel, spiritual freedom. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Who doesn't want that in the world today? For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, if our pursuit of truth leads us away from continuing in grace, of continuing to come to Jesus, from the teaching and example that he lives for us, if, if our pursuit of truth leads us away from this lifelong endeavor of becoming like Christ, then we've lost the only truth that actually matters. It's the only one that matters. We've lost our spiritual freedom, which only Christ gives. If you're spending more time reading or watching, listening to news or politics or money talk, or anything social justice related, or just looking for pleasurable things, any other topic that doesn't involve talking with Jesus and reading his word, if you're spending more time with any of those other things than you are dwelling with Jesus, you're not experiencing the full extent of spiritual freedom that Jesus bought for you by his death and resurrection. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to any of those Uh, other areas in life. They're obviously all important. We need to care what is factual. We need to care about the direction our country is going or or, uh, having equal rights for people and, and bringing about social change. We need to care about all of those things. But we need to keep as the priority of our heart the spiritual freedom that Jesus grants us and walking with the fruits of the Spirit Showing by the way that we live our life that Jesus is real. Why is he real? How do we know he's real? Because he lives within us. Let me show you by the way that I respond to my enemies. Let me show you by the way that I navigate chaotic times. Let me show you. Perhaps our perspective has become way too wide. 
Perhaps truth was never meant to be something that we could prove on a national or, or global level, but perhaps truth was always meant to be something that we could read about and receive from God the Father and then live out in our life. And as we live it out, as we live the Christ-like life, we say, yes, that's true. Our souls say yes. We feel the peace of God as we live with God's grace. When you're wondering what is true, if you're curious or confused or frustrated or angry, sit with Jesus for a while. Ask yourself, how can I respond to this? Remember the old bracelets? This is actually kind of related to that. What would Jesus do? It was actually brilliant. But it wasn't so much, it's not so much about acting as receiving. That's maybe where those bracelets went wrong. Ask yourself, does this matter to my spiritual freedom of how God would ask me to live this day? Not necessarily 10 years from now. Not necessarily for the sake of my children or grandchildren. But right now, today, how is God asking me to live? And how can I live with spiritual freedom? How can I walk with compassion and humility? I think about my mom's pictures, you know, and they're really nice. She asked me if I wanted some, and I said, no thanks. <laughs> would have been nice. I should have kept one, right? Right, Larry? That would have been good. You know, they were so heartwarming because so many of them were true. But if I walk by those pictures and I read them and I say, well, that's furthest from the truth of what we experience in this house, those words have no meaning. Those words have no power. Those words bring no comfort to my soul or anyone in my family. You might even say that they're hypocritical. They might even make me angry if I say, I never experienced that in, that, in this house. Friends, how much more dangerous is it then if we're saying that God is love, God is grace, God is truth, but then our actions show otherwise? if we're not embodying that life, and when people see how we're living or we tell them something about the gospel or about who God is and what God wants for the world and for us, if they experience a discrepancy in there, those words that we cling so tightly to, this faith that we cling so tightly to, is meaningless. There's no power. There's no conviction. There's no wanting to repent if our words aren't full of grace and an example of Christ-likeness. And I think what we're seeing now is that some people will even get angry because they say, that's so hypocritical. You say that those things are true, but yet you're not living by them at all. For us, friends, it's easy. Come to Jesus, sit with him in his presence, do like he does, only speak only act in the way that Jesus would act. Could it be any more simple? But could it be any more revolutionary than to lay our lives down for the sake of another, even for the sake of our enemies? That sounds like spiritual freedom to me. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. The one whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen.
As we uh, reflect upon this message, I would just like to take one moment to ask, Andy can flip it to the next slide. Just like you to think about these couple questions.